Thanks for joining us on episode 1,284 of the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. Hello, I'm Blaine Elkers, and I challenge you to invest in yourself, invest in others, develop your influence, and impact the world by using your time, your talent, and your treasures to live out your calling. Having the ability to create the life you really want by creating consistent habits is key. And one way to be inspired to do that is to listen to this and the Inspired a stewardship podcast with my friend, Scott Mader. And it stands for what you think about, you bring about. And so what you think about, you bring about. Now it's said, in, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We become what we think about. Earl Nightingale said, Gandhi said, a man is what he thinks about all day long. Anyway, so you can look back and see this everywhere. Welcome and thank you for joining us on the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. If you truly desire to become the person who God wants you to be, then you must learn to use your time, your talent, and your treasures for your true calling. In the Inspired Stewardship Podcast, you will learn to invest in yourself, invest in others, and develop your influence so that you can impact the world. In today's interview with Blaine Elkers, I ask Blaine about why he calls himself America's chief results officer. Blaine also shares how his faith and consistency are so key to his journey and yours. And Blaine also talks with you about what personal development really means. One reason I like to bring you great interviews like the one you're going to hear today is because of the power in learning from others. Another great way to learn from others is through reading books. But if you're like most people today, you find it hard to find the time to sit down and read. And that's why today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to sign up and you can get a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. And instead of reading, you can listen your way to learn from some of the greatest minds out there. That's inspiredstewardship.com slash audible to get your free trial and listen to great books the same way you're listening to this podcast. Blaine Elkers is America's only chief results officer. He's always loved to help people get results, and he knows which habits bring success and results, how to create them instantly, and stick with them for a lifetime. He is a leading authority in personal implementation and consistency, a habit master with a documented streak of 1,453 days in a row and counting, a TEDx speaker with over 190,000 views, a LinkedIn top connector, a graduate of Purdue University and Stanford University's Social Entrepreneurship Program. He's the co-author of three books, and he oversees over 20,000 weekly personal implementation check-ins per year. Welcome to the show, Blaine. Hey, Scott. Thank you for having me on. And let me say, I have learned a lot from previous episodes, and I'm happy to be on with you today. But also, I want to acknowledge all the work you do to put this together, put it in online, helping people. Uh, you have a big, what I call, results ripple. And I predict that you are touching lives not yet born, that somebody 20 years, 30 years from now is going to find this podcast and it's going to change their lives. And I hope today we can help change somebody's life as well. Absolutely. I That's one of the things I love about podcasts is the ripples they put out that sometimes you don't even see them. It's just planting seeds and that's all worth it. 
Oh, you mentioned results in that, and you call yourself, we mentioned in the intro, the chief results officer. Tell me about that. Where did that come from? Why is that the title that you use, and where did that come from? Yeah. So it actually, the genesis for me being able to become a chief results officer actually happened a number of years ago. I was on a business trip. My degrees in computer science, I was working for a, a software company, and I came home from a business trip. And my son, Bo, he was kind of like giving me the cold shoulder. So I asked my wife, Beth, I said, Beth, what, what's going on with Bo here? He says, you were gone so long, he forgot who you were. And I was like, wait, what? That hit me like later that night, it hit me like deeply emotionally. And then I realized when I was a kid, I came home to the empty house because both my parents worked. And so that night I made this clarifying decision that I was going to work from home no matter what. So I started a couple of businesses. It took a year. My wife and I were conservative. So it's like we want to have money saved and all this stuff. And we actually had another child on the way. But a year later, I broke free from the job. And that was 27 years ago. So for 27 years now, I've been this work from home dad. But what it afforded me, what it afforded me was the time to do a lot of self-development and maybe self-reflection, talk to God a little bit, figure out like, why am I here? And so I did some of that. And I realized that I like to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, what I call personal implementation. And I had some friends who were starting mastermind groups and they said, Hey, Blaine, why don't you be our like mindset results person? And I said, Oh, that would be perfect. That would be like the dream thing for me. So I started doing that and I came up with some frameworks and I helped them get results like week in and week out. But then they started calling me the chief results officer. Like, hey, you're helping us get results. You're the chief results officer. So I thought, that's an interesting title. I'll take it. And then I went to the United States Trademark and Patent Office, and I actually got the registered trademark, so the R with the circle, so I could be America's only chief results officer. So now for the last decade, that's been the primary thing that, that I've been doing. And I do feel like I'm on the planet to help people get results, like personal. So go back a minute. You mentioned when you said the results that you were working in the masterminds and you like to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves. That's how you, that's how you phrase that. What, yes. What, okay. So one of the things that comes up, I talk about a lot in my coaching as a stewardship coach, I help people with time, talent, and treasures. But my joke that I tell people is you come to me for help with time or treasures, you feel like you're stuck in your money or you're stuck in your productivity or your time, but really and truly all I ever help with is talent because how you handle your time, how you handle your money is all about how you handle yourself. So saying the same sentence in a different way, it sounds like, where did you come up with the idea or why did you go down that road of taking control of their lives by taking control of themselves? Where did that come from? Yeah. So for me, and I, the company I started is called Self-Fluence. So it's the power you already have to influence yourself. And sometimes we even say the power that God granted you to influence yourself. And for me, what happened was I did a lot of self-development, a lot of mentors. My, my favorite mentor is Jim Rohn. And I got to share the stage with him and spend, hang out with him for a while. But what I realized was that where I had the most control was with myself. And so I always gravitated towards that early on is that that's where I had the most 
power of influence was over myself. Now, I can try to influence others and persuade people and try to get people to do things, but it was much easier for me to work on myself. And I felt like that the rising tide lifts all ships, right? That, that if I can improve myself, wait a second, all of a sudden, why did everybody else get nicer? They got nicer because I started liking myself better and had more self-confidence. And the world around me changed when I changed that, that inner world or that self-world. But the main reason I started there was it was where I felt I had the most control. So you've mentioned a few times too, talking to God, or, or as you said, the, the power that God has put within us to work on ourselves. How do you think your faith journey has intersected with this work journey and career journey to become a stay-at-home, work-from-home person and develop the attitude of chief results officer? Yeah, I had... I don't know, it's different for different people, but for me, when I was a little boy living in Morristown, New Jersey, in our backyard, we had these two little hills and they were at the right time of the year, it was grassy and it smelled really good and fresh grass. And I was lying there looking up at the sky. It was a really nice day. And I had this overwhelming feeling that God was there, that, that something else was there. And, it, and for me, it was God. And so that feeling of that God is always around, that, that always stayed with me. So I was raised Catholic. And then actually, my wife and I, my wife converted to become Catholic. But then we, then we went to, for our kids, we went to this vacation Bible school. So then we, I got a dual citizenship. I became Lutheran. And now the kids are out of the nest. And now we're going to a non-denominational Christian church. But anyway, God has always stayed in there. He's always stayed with me. And I felt like he, he was always there. So I, what I do, what I like to do is I like to bake God into everything that, that I do. And I'm known as a little bit of a habit master or a consistency master. And what I did, I, my greatest number of days in a row, it's like 1,535 days and counting. That streak that I have is related to God in that it's with an app called the Bible app, version mm-hmm. Bible app. And the app keeps tabs of your streak, how many times you're in there. And so anyway, I talk about 21 second habits, how to create a habit in 21 seconds, not 21 days. But what I did is that habit that I chose to concentrate on was that and part of the reason was so that when people ask me about it, it it's I can naturally easily bring bring up God in in whatever podcast or whatever thing I'm doing. So anyway, I feel like He's always there, and I've had that thread throughout throughout my life. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned there having that streak of over fifteen hundred days in that app. I can't, I don't even remember what my streak is. I use the same app, but it's, I think it's like 1200 or so. It's, nice. it's, it, it's up there, but probably not quite as many as you. When you, when you look at habit formation and how people begin that thing, you mentioned forming a habit in 21 seconds, 21 days. So that obviously catches people's ears. Talk a little bit about how you see habit formation so not necessarily the practical how-to, though we could talk about that too, but just yeah. from a from a theory perspective, how, what's your view of habit formation? Yeah. So habits, for me, habits tend to define where your life ends up because 
you neurologically now there, as we can see the brain deeper and deeper, we're realizing that neurons that fire together, wire together, and we're creatures of habit. And so those habits, good or bad, end up defining you because they're the programming that's typically running. And a lot of that does somewhat run on automatic pilot. Now, bad habit elimination, like that's a separate discussion and there are tips and tricks to do that. But in creating new good habits, I feel like that can really turn people's lives around. And typically where you are now, whether you like it or not, was partially due to the fact of your habits and what you're doing. And in this concept of like self-fluence, the ability that you already have to take control of yourself, that you don't need anything new. And so some people, they'll say, oh, I'm terrible at creating new habits. And my new year's resolution is gone by January 15th and all this stuff. But I have to bring people back to not only are you a creature of habit, but you are already a habit master. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are things that you don't think about. Now, now science, scientifically, it probably takes about 60 days to really create a new neuro pathway that's automatic pilot, no willpower required. But we can hack that system. And I can talk about how to hack that system to get the 21 second habit. Those habits are are there and people are already really good at habits. There are things Mm -hmm. like things you do, like you have the habit of waking up every day. Now, if you don't, if you break that habit, you don't care because you're not here anymore. Anyway, but there are (laughs) things that you do every day all the time. And right. so that's and good that and bad. Yeah, good and good, bad. Good and bad. Yeah. Because you right. also could have the habit of hitting the snooze button every morning when the alarm goes off. <laughs> exactly. And there's like the habit of distraction is really getting bad. What I mean by that is even myself, I will, if I have a few extra minutes, I'm going to my phone and I'm going to the news media, social media. I'm not going to the Abide app, which is my one of my favorite apps of choice. It's a Christian meditation app. I'm not doing that stuff. And even I thought the other day, even when I'm at a traffic light and maybe have 30 seconds, I'm still, if I'm by myself, I'm still grabbing the phone and I'm wiring myself to not think about something, to not maybe take that moment for God or whatever, but to make that a more productive time for myself. Or even just a moment of silence. (laughs) Yeah. There are days that I love to get in the car and not turn anything on. You're Mm -hmm. exactly right. Exactly right. And I think that's actually part of the problem that we have, we create that sensation or that habit of constantly wanting input. I know I'm victim of this. I always want podcast on or, or checking something on the app or reading something or playing a game or whatever. And we get out of the fact that at the end of the day, some of our time should be spent actually not doing anything and not feeding any input in, but just being present. But I don't think that's something we do as regularly in today's world. Yeah, a hundred percent. Jim Rohn had a great quote that he told me, he said, wherever you are, be there. Mm. It was about, if you're at work, do work. If you're at play, be at play. You know, where, wherever you are, be there. I think it's so important. And that thinking time, what people don't realize is that it's in the downtime that your subconscious mind can work on some of these harder issues. People don't realize that you are productive when you give yourself a rest. Right. And that could be sleep, the physical rest too, but also the mental rest where you know you get out in nature and you let yourself be. And I I'd like to just get out for a walk sometimes with nothing in mind. 
Anyway, there are, it's good for your brain to take rests. Don't think you're losing results and productivity because that's the time that your mind's working on things and it's helpful. You're, you'll be more productive later because of. You mentioned the 21 second habit a couple of times and hacking that habit loop or that habit formation. So if somebody heard that, they said, yeah, I, don't, I know, I really don't care what Blaine said. He said, I'm good at habits. I'm really not. I've, every time I've started a habit, I do it for 10 days and then I slack off and I quit and all of those things. What are some of the tips or tricks that you use with people to help them get started on creating that habit? Yeah. Yeah. So tactically, the way I discovered the 21 second habit was actually my wife. And luckily she still doesn't have this, but a number of years ago, she had nearly daily migraine headaches. And so the doctor said, look, here's this headache log. You got to fill it out every day. What do you eat? What are the triggers? What's the weather like? What's the barometric pressure? All these things. And my wife could do it for a few days, then she'd forget, or then she would lose it. And it was very frustrating for her. And so one day I was there watching her brush her teeth. And my wife is a habit master at brushing her teeth for two minutes in the morning and two minutes at night. And she has never missed that. And when I'm doing a live seminar and I ask people, how many people brush their teeth in the last 24 hours? All the hands go up. Maybe there's some dentures in there, but few. And so she was a master at that. So I said, look, let's do this. Take the headache log and put the toothbrush and the toothpaste on top of it. And when you brush your teeth, fill it out then. You're always going to know where it is. And you're going to spend four minutes a day on that log. So that is the first key to the 21 second habit is what I call habit linking. It's linking to a habit you're already a habit master at. And so she did that. She went, She did actually, she went from not doing it for two, three days in a row to 90 days in a row, gave the doctors the stuff. And now maybe every couple of months, she might have a migraine, but it's much improved. But that's the first key is habit linking. The second key, I'll give my example. So at that time, that's when I said, look, I want to start some new habits. First thing in the morning, I want to jump into the Bible app every single day. And I want to take a mind shower. So people like physically wash their body every day or most people every day. And then, but I wanted to wash my mind. I knew that social media, news media, some well-meaning family and friends, they were giving me a lot of head trash. And I thought, you know what? Let me wash my mind out every day with a 10-minute mind shower. And so those were the two habits that I wanted. And so I thought to myself, okay, key number one, habit linking. What do I do every morning without fail, no willpower required? And that is what can be for good or evil. That is the smartphone. So what I do is sometimes my alarm is going off on the phone, but most of the time I wake up with that alarm. But the first thing I do is I pick up my, and so what I did is I moved all the apps off the homepage of the phone. And I just put those two apps there, the Bible app and Headspace or Abide or two different meditation apps you can use for the mind shower. And I put those there and I said, look, here's the deal. When I first open my phone for the first time in the morning, I see those two apps and I have to do those before I'm allowed to do anything else on the phone. Now that's the second key. So the first is habit linking. The second key is you have to surf the urge to want to do something to give you the energy and the fortitude to do the thing, right? So when I open my phone, I want to see if the kids texted. I want to see what orders came in. Maybe I do want to check my email, my the social media, the news media. And there's this big wave of things that I really want to see and do, but I, I use that fuel. I surf that urge. I transmute that urge into doing those items. And that's the thing that I've done now for 
over 1500 days in a row because I open my phone every single day. Now, some days I'm tight on time. And you know what? Maybe I got to do a one minute Bible lab and a three minute mind shower, but I always do it right then and there. So habit linking is one, then surfing the urge. And then because we are pain and pleasure, penalty reward driven, it's good if you, I call it leverage, if you can add some leverage to the new habit, meaning that if you do your new habit for 30 days in a row, maybe give yourself a little treat or buy a book or do something good. But then the flip side too, is if you fall off, which we're human, it happens, have some kind of a penalty, have an accountability partner or your spouse or somebody that says, Hey, if you, when you, if you fall off, you're going to have to clean the kitchen floors or I don't know, something, some little penalty, those things help. And then what's nice is that once you get three or four days in a row, not only does your self-confidence go up, but you don't want to break the chain and it becomes more and more powerful. I started one about 600 something days ago, riding a Peloton bike, but then I got COVID. And, but you know what? I still got on that bike and I rode even on the COVID days to kind of keep my streak alive. It's still alive right now. So I like streaks. I like consistency, but habit linking, surfing an urge, and then putting some leverage in. I believe that can help anybody master a new habit. And there's lots of things you do throughout your day or once mm-hmm. a day. You get dressed. Uh, I had another, I had a client that she's like, I want to do a daily plan every day, Blaine, but I'm not doing it. I said, what do you do every morning that you don't have to think about that happens every day? She says, I make coffee and have a cup of coffee. And I'm, there it is. So put the pad of paper by the coffee machine. You can't start the coffee till you start the plan. You can drink the coffee while you do the plan, but the plan has to be done first. So she serves the urge for the coffee, which she has naturally every day, no willpower required. So mm-hmm. anyway, there's the 21 second habits in a nutshell. So, you know, that's when someone's got that streak going and they're started, like you said, we're all human. You inevitably, a lot, oftentimes, you'll have something that throws you for a loop. A lot of folks then have the tendency of it's the, well, I had a little slice of pie, so I might as well quit the diet. I fell off the wagon, so I might as well not ride tomorrow, too, or I might not going to do it anymore. What's your answer to folks that kind of have that tendency to, quote, give up? whenever they fall off even once. Yeah, we are human and it's going to happen. And so it, it happened to me, my, my mind shower, and I was about 400 days into it and I did the Bible app, but I didn't do the mind shower. And then I forgot, I was, a, I was at an event and it just got real busy and it got past midnight and I didn't do it. And so I think what happens is sometimes you need a little break, take a little break. But then you got to get back and ride again uh, and ride better. So I always tell people, look, it's about you bettering your best. So you got the line in the sand. So let's say you did five days in a row and then you fell off. Get back on because now for you, compare yourself to you, not to other people, right? Okay, my record's five. Let's see if I can beat five, right? And then switch it up. If it's not exciting for you to do that habit, maybe you change it a little bit. Maybe and, or maybe you switch it to something different, but you get better by doing. So I, I recommend get back on, compare it, maybe change it if it doesn't, if it isn't exciting enough to you. And then look to add in some leverage, meaning on the good side and the bad side. So people are driven, like I said, by pain and pleasure. So if you say, look, my record's five, if I can do six days, 
give yourself a prize that's big enough, a reward that's big enough that motivates you to go do it or a leverage, right? So my wife, she's really good with the leverage. She's like, if you don't do, she knows I don't like to wash the big garbage cans out on the street. That you, So she'll say, you, you're going to have to wash the garbage cans if you don't do that. Now, she really wants to make sure I do it. She says, you know what? Your leverage this time is you have to wash the neighbor's garbage cans <laughs> on, the side of, on the side where they don't want you touching their stuff. So anyway, there, there are ways to have fun with it and have some kind of accountability partner in that. And in the habit, if you do have somebody, if you have an association with other people who are trying to do that new habit too, that's pretty helpful as well. And then if you ride better next time, maybe you do the old Seinfeld thing with the calendar. You put a big red X on the days that you actually do your thing. And then you don't want to break the chain. Like visually, you can see it. There's apps called Don't Break the Chain where you actually see it. Um, so you can make it a little bit more, more physical. It's also another thing to help you is to celebrate every day that you do it, right? Have a little celebration. Could just be a little happy dance. For me, I can throw on some 80s music and just celebrate that that time. Sharing it with others is good. Keeping it easy is good. Dialing down the resistance is another trick to success. What I mean by that is someone will say, look, Blaine, I'm going to exercise 30 minutes a day. And I go, okay, that's great. Let's do it. So they do it for two days and then they're out, right? So I said, okay, look, let's dial down the resistance. Why don't we exercise for 15 minutes? Let's see that. They do that for a couple of days, it falls off. So then we drop it to 10 minutes or five minutes. But I say, you got to win early, win off, and you have to build. It's a battle of the brain chemicals, and you want to win that battle. So you got to win early, win off, often. So take it way down, even if it's a minute. You can give me a minute of exercise before you get in the shower. Push-ups, jumping jacks, run in place, whatever you have to do. But you want to build that, and you're, gonna, you're starting to build that, that neural pathway, the neurons of success. And then you start to win that battle and the energy levels come up, belief in yourself comes up, self-confidence comes up, and then you really have begun that brain rewiring. So when you have this approach towards personal development and what people do to change themselves, to rewire themselves, if you had to boil down personal development, one thing, what would you say it really is? I have an acronym called YTABA. So it's seven simple one syllable words and it stands for what you think about you bring about and so what you think about you bring about now it's said in as a man thinketh in his heart so is he we become what we think about earl nightingale gandhi said a man is what he thinks about all day long anyway so you can look back and see this everywhere but for me that's the biggest thing what you think about you bring about and the power of the mind much greater than you give it credit for. And so I think people could realize the power of their own mind and how that shapes their reality. Now, again, I'm not saying just think it all, right? What you think about, you bring about, you bring it about. There's an action component. As, as you figure out what to do, or as your mind is giving you things to do, you're taking action. You, you can't steer a parked car, right? You got, we got to be moving here. But I think that's the greatest lesson. And that's, I did a TEDx talk. And in that talk, that's what I talked about. They said, you give one big idea worth sharing. And for me, that was it, the power mm-hmm. of the mind. So when you talked about the fact that it's thinking about, but also doing, there's an action component about that as well. How do you think people can get clear? I think one of the things that often keeps people from, quote, taking action is they're not yet clear on 
the way I put it is you're not really clear yet on what do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to do, what your actions are, what your goals are. By the way, that can be when you're 65 years old, you're still asking the question, what do I want to be when I grow up? I actually think that's a really good question to ask a lot. So what do you do or what do you think about when he's in that stage where they're just not really clear yet on what action they want to be taking or what direction they want to be going in their life? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. And it happens to different levels to people all the time. And mm-hmm. and you need a direction, right? You need a vision, right? Otherwise, you're going to perish. And so what I try to inspire people to do is to think, to decide, and to act. And it doesn't have to be perfect, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. But you're not going to probably know till you start the doing phase of whatever you say you want to do. And so, so there are exercises you you can do visualizations and different things to try to figure out what is that bigger picture thing, but you really need to get in motion. A couple of the exercises that I like, one is your hundredth or well, maybe now we'll go 120th birthday party and you're at that party and you are looking good. You got the lean muscle mass, you've got full mental capabilities but at that party to honor you at 100 120 years old you know what's what are people saying about you what does the community say about you what does you know your friends and your family and people that you were in business with and all that what are those people saying about you and just sit with that for a moment now the first time you do that it's not it's a little fuzzy and you just have a few ideas but if you'll take a few bullet points and come back to it what happens is the visualization over time gets deeper and more things and you hear things, then you start smelling that favorite food that you like and you bring the five senses into it and it gets, gets richer and richer. So that's, that's one, one visualization. The other one I like is called the Powerball test. And so the Powerball, have you heard of the Powerball lottery? Mm -hmm. Have you heard that? So, So you win the Powerball lottery, just you, $500 million, no other winners. Now you're going to pay a couple hundred million to the government. That's fine. They need the help. But then you spend the next year doing it all, traveling, setting up the trust funds, buying the houses you want, all the toys, the travel, all that. You buy a new car for your chief results officer. You do all these great things and it's a year later and you've done everything you wanted to do and you still have a hundred million dollars in the bank and you wake up a year later. There's nothing on the to-do list. You did all the partying and celebration. You took the kids, all that stuff. What would you do at that point? What would you do? with your life then. And it's interesting that when I do that in a big workshop, 90 something percent of the answers are the same. And they all say, I would help people blank. Now the blank is different. The blank is different for everyone. And this goes right into inspired stewardship is that 90% because I people even turn in their answers on this one, but over 90% was, I would help people blank. That is a little peering into, and a lot of that blank is based on that person's like life experiences. Maybe there was a sure. mutual suffering on some point on something. For me, I would help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, self-fluence. I would do that. So even if I won the Powerball last weekend, I would still be here today. Now, I may be buying you a car, but I would still be on this podcast today because that's what I You'd be doing the Oprah thing, though. You get a car. You get a car. (laughs) That's right. And what you say, the calling, what's your calling? You get appearing into your calling when you strip the problems of 
resources. So, so anyway, that's another one. Sometimes people use, there's a Wall Street Journal exercise where the Wall Street Journal, whatever publication you want, that's for business owners. It could be People Magazine, but somebody's doing a cover story on you. And what would the headline be? What would the headline be? What would you want the headline to, to be? Or what would it be? X number of years in the future. And then you go and you outline that article. And then sometimes people write the whole article. Mm-hmm. But there again, it's you're looking at the future. But I think whatever you decide, you need to take steps in that direction to see if it's right and see if you have the ambition. Most things fail because the desire and ambition isn't high enough for that thing. So it may not be the right thing. And I also like to say, go inward, talk to God about it, and try to see if if you're living his will for your life, you're probably going to flow a lot faster. Yeah, I think I bet you that blank that people have might the one of the ways I framed it is usually what goes in that blank either makes you cry, makes you laugh, or makes you sing. You know what I because it's either something that you have some emotional attachment to that's a a a negative. You cry when people suffer from this. You cry when this happens to people. It's frustrating, upsetting to you. You laugh about it because it's something that brings joy to you and you bring you you're joyful when people experience this, or you sing because it's something that's so deep and connected to your heart that you know it just it, it you have to sing about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's one of the ways I framed that for folks because I think what goes in that blank, if it's one of the, if it makes you do one of those three things, yeah, a lot of times you've got some passion there. <laughs> yeah, you are. And that, as I think back to what were in those blanks, they are they will fit into one of those every time. And a lot of it was the singing and the crying, maybe more than the laughing. But right. yes, yeah, yep, yep. yeah, la- the laughing. I would agree. I think it's less. But if you think about people that, for instance, are entertainers in a healthy way, because I think a lot of people are drawn to entertainment in an unhealthy way. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're doing it to get approval of others because that's how they feel approval for themselves, which is not healthy. But yeah, there there are people that do in that category, I think. But it, it, I agree. It's especially if you're talking to business owners, you tend to see the other two more often. Yeah, yeah. but the joy one, yeah, there's things that brings people joy on on mm-hmm. many levels. So I think laugh, laughter with the joy component is quite common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I ask a few questions that I like to ask all of my guests, is there anything else that you? would like to touch on about as your work as a chief results officer or something that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah. I think the other thing is that there's this concept of the power of the mind, but also to, to realize the two other big things that people think about in, in, in results and in themselves is really this concept of happiness and then being in service. And, and so I would say that as a chief results officer, I see that theme coming up too, that people, instead of comparing themselves to other people, if they'll compare themselves to themselves, they'll be happier, better your best rather than beat down the competition, so to speak, but is using that in the happiness equation. And then that financially, getting results financially tends to be of you being in service, of being valuable to the marketplace. And I really think that's, those are two other components that I think warrant some thinking time as you're looking at implementation and getting results in your own life. Absolutely. My brand is Inspired Stewardship, and I kind of run things through that lens of stewardship. 
and you've referenced this a couple of times, but stewardship is one of those words like leadership that we all use it, but it doesn't necessarily always mean the same thing to everybody. So for you, what does the word stewardship mean? And what is the impact of that word had on your life? Yeah, I think that stewardship for me means taking care of, right? So taking care of something. And then I, for me, it has a little bit of an air of non-permanence. Like mm. it's not really maybe not mine. It's, it's, there's not an ownership to it. And so at many levels for me, that can be stewardship of my own body, let's say. I'm taking care of it and I'm here as a spirit for a little while, but it's not forever. And I think for me, I got at a young age when I talked about Jim Rohn, my mentor, and he would say, service to many leads to greatness. And he would say the master teacher taught. And so for me, I had this concept of serving over selling and really having a stewardship, taking care of people, clients, and things like that. And for me, if I thought of that has helped me throughout, like I used to, I used to get really, I still get a little nervous speaking or coming on podcasts and things like that. But I realized that my nervousness was because I was like thinking about myself and how I look. And I was just at an event. I had a zit on my nose it's things like that. It's me thinking about me. But when I released that and thought about serving, and this is about the other person, and it doesn't really matter if I stumble or I say, or where it's what, how can I serve? And I got it away from myself. That stuff kind of subsides. And then I'm like, okay, being in service, having stewardship for other people has made things easier. And I think more, more. Re- I always laugh because people are so afraid of public speaking. And I ask people, how often have you attended a speech where someone else is on stage speaking and has done that dozens and dozens of times at conferences and events and all sorts of things? And I'm like, how often were you sitting in the audience going, boy, I hope this person really screws up today so that I can <laughs> make fun of them and laugh? Uh, never. Exa- exactly. Nobody shows up. On, they're on your side. <laughs> now, you ha- yeah. yeah, granted, you still have to deliver. You still have to be in service and provide something that that has value in some way, but it does take some of the pressure off of them. They're not there to yes. see you fail. They're there to see you succeed. Right. And accepting, <laughs> leaning into your humanness is now what mm-hmm. I say. You know? And so people find mistakes or typos and all this stuff. I just kind of lean into that humanness and we can connect at that around that as well. But that's also, hey, I'm also in pursuit of mastery. What did I do Absolutely. wrong? How can I get better? and all that. But in the moment, yes, I really just try to embrace that. Yeah. So this is my version of your 120th birthday question that you mentioned earlier. Let's say I invented this magic machine and I was able to pluck you from where you are today and transport you into the future, maybe 150, 200 years. And through the power of this machine, you were able to look back on your entire life and see all of the relationships, all of the connections, all of the ripples that you've left behind in the world. What impact do you hope you've left in the world? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's that somewhere along the line, somebody heard something that helped them to take control of their lives by taking control of themselves. And I think that through me, somehow the ripple effect was where people embrace their happiness, embrace their service, embrace their God, whatever that is for them, and then embrace the power of their mind. And probably, if it, you know, the one thing I I try to be is an encourager, right? So I do try to 
look look at with an encouraging eye on people on what they're doing and lift them up and help them along the way. So I'm doing some of that now, but I hope the ripple is bigger out out in the future. So as we kick off the new year here, what's coming next for you? What's on the roadmap? Yeah. So for me, so for me, I am. I've been on a lot of work with mastermind groups where I'm the chief results officer guy. And so recently I started taking some of those things I'm learning and principles and things I like and bringing those to business owners. And so the thing that I like the most is this thing called the Super Results Day. And that's where a bunch of us get together on Zoom for every three hours. And we have a little teaching thing that we learn. But most of the day, we're crushing our to-do list together with some accountability and some high fives and really just having fun getting a lot done. And that's what I'm leaning into right now from a business standpoint. And I'm enjoying the empty nest. So our kids are graduated and out of the nest and my wife and I are back to dating again. And she hasn't killed you yet, even though they're out of the house, right? You know, <laughs> after working from home for 27 years, we have lots of ground rules. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah, I've been working from home for a few years now, so I'm, I fully understand the need for ground rules. You can follow Blaine on Facebook as Chief Results Officer, or he's on LinkedIn as Blaine Elkers, and that's spelled O-E-L-K-E-R-S. Or find out more about his services and the work that he does on selffluence.com. Of course, I'll have links to all of this over in the show notes as well. Blaine, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listener? I did that TEDx talk, and I think that's one of the best ways that we could connect. And so if you go to blainetedx.com, B-L-A-I-N-E-T-E-D-X.com, you can opt in there, get the talk, and I think it'll have some impact on you. And there's a little another results hack that I put in there that shows you how to remind yourself of whatever that goal is, whatever you're trying to bring about and remind you of that 60 to hundred times a day effortlessly. So I'll mm. leave that as the, as a little plug for that. Awesome. Of course, I'll put a link to that over in the show notes as well to help people find it. Thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it, Scott. Thank you for having me on. And I'll leave you with this. The bad news, the bad news is that time flies. The good news, you're the pilot. So get in that pilot seat, take control, and make it a great day. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the Inspired Stewardship Podcast. As a subscriber and listener, we challenge you to not just sit back and passively listen, but act on what you've heard and find a way to live your calling. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor. Go over to inspiredstewardship.com slash iTunes rate, all one word, iTunes rate. It'll take you through how to leave a rating and review and how to make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you can get every episode as it comes out in your feed. Until next time, invest your time, your talent, and your treasures, develop your influence, and impact the world.